And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day as America lands on the moon again. Why is that a great day or a particularly noteworthy one? Well, first of all, it indicates to people who uh, question whether we actually had people walking on the moon before and whether the entire thing was a fraud. There's a Fox News poll that shows that about 20% of Americans question whether we went to the moon before. But you can't question the moon landing that's happened in the last 24 hours. It is an automated moon landing, and it shows cooperation uh, between government and private industry, which it seems to me is a good thing and good news. There are also new sanctions on Russia announced today. Uh, President Biden announcing more than 500 new sanctions in response to Putin's brutal war of conquest and in response to the killing of Alexei Navalny. Uh, the brutal killing of Alexei Navalny by Putin. Uh, Putin and Biden in a war of insults. Uh, 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 Biden uh, calling Putin a uh, an SOB. Uh, Putin answering back through his spokespeople that uh, Biden is a geezer. I'm not sure what the word in Russian is for a geezer, but that he's also a Hollywood cowboy. Uh, We will deal with that war of words and also uh, the efforts that uh, the White House went through to make people in the White House, particularly Secret Service people, safe. Safe from what? Safe from the president's pet. Uh, The true and horrifying detailed story of Commander who was moved out of the White House uh, several months ago, but is still um, shocking uh, uh, human beings. Commander is a dog, is the president's dog. And the president's dog committed uh, more than 24 assaults, some of them incredibly serious. Uh, This is actually a story you'd like to think of as a joke, but if you're one of the Secret Service men who was mauled, by this combination uh, German Shepherd, uh, this this is a, uh, a shocking story that deserves attention. Uh, we're going to be speaking to Michael Rubin of the American Enterprise Institute about the sanctions, the new sanctions on Russia, and a new possibility that the United States would unilaterally Uh, join those nations that have already recognized a Palestinian state. Let us understand that this is historic because there never has been a Palestinian state. There wasn't a Palestinian state before Israel was created, before Israel was recognized, before even the uh, uh, Jewish uh, uh, resettlement of the traditional Jewish homeland began. No Palestinian state. So why now is that not a reward for terrorism? Uh, We are going to be speaking about that also with uh, Michael Rubin, foreign policy and defense expert. And speaking of defense expert, there is a devastating report in the conservative press that uh, President Trump, during his four years as president, 
did damage to American military preparedness. He did not build up uh, our military in the glorious fashion that he talks about on the campaign trail. So what needs to be done right now? Uh, We will get to that. And uh, some more good news at the very top of the show. Uh, Breaking news, according to ABC News Network, just a couple of minutes ago, the Alabama Attorney General, whose name is Steve Marshall, does not intend to prosecute in vitro fertilization providers or families in the wake of a state Supreme Court ruling that embryos, once they're fertilized, should be considered children. This is a decision that has thrown the whole process into chaos. The Attorney General Marshall said, I have no intention of using the recent Alabama Supreme Court decision as a basis for prosecuting IVF families or providers. The um, uh, statement was uh, issued by Catherine Robertson, who is chief counsel in the Alabama uh, Attorney General's office. Uh, At least three providers have already stopped IVF procedures in the wake of the ruling, since the process often involves discarding embryos. Okay, a lot of people could say, who cares? Uh, The fact is there are 97,000 babies who were born last year who were the product of uh, IVF, in vitro fertilization. And this is a major technological ability that uh, basically has created what are today millions of Americans walking around among us. It is pro-life to use what, whatever means you can uh, to bring children into this world. Uh, one of the important things about uh, families and children and the future of America is actually redefining uh, marriage, which we're going to be talking about with Brad Wilcox of the University of Virginia and uh, of uh, uh, the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, Professor Wilcox has a take that says that we have too much emphasis when it comes to marriage on things like soulmates or romance. And what you need emphasis on is family building. Well, family building is what IVF is all about. It is a a positive. And and again, it's uh, deeply revealing, it seems to me, that Karen Pence, uh, the wife of the former vice president, uh, who, by the way, ran a brief but uh, it seems to me substantive and very honorable presidential campaign this year, Uh, The Pences, who are deeply convicted Christians, who are deeply involved in pro-life efforts to honor human life and to support the pro-life cause, they have had children who came into this world through IVF. Karen Pence has talked about it. And the idea that this is somehow a uh, human life issue uh, is uh, just... uh, distressing, frankly. Uh, Last night, uh, President Trump was scheduled to speak in uh, Nashville, I believe it is, which is where they are uh, having uh, an an ongoing uh, festival uh, 
of Freedom for CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Committee. Now, one of the reasons you may have seen some of the photographs, which are pretty stunning, of a huge, huge uh, ballroom where maybe uh, the seats in the ballroom are are less than one-fourth filled. They aren't a third filled. It's just a lot of empty seats. And uh, the uh, uh, last night, uh, President Trump was scheduled to speak at 8 p.m., but he didn't take the stage until around 9.40 p.m., citing airplane and weather issues. The former president was introduced with what the public address announcer said was the January 6th hostages. And at that point, they played uh, the president's smash hit uh, record album. It's actually just one uh, performance. It's Justice for All, with January 6th defendants in prison singing the national anthem, and that blended together with recordings of President Trump reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. We've pay- played a little of this for you on uh, on the air. But uh, uh, last night, that was the uh, introduction to President's speech, President Trump's speech. And uh, what about these new sanctions against Putin and the war of words between Putin and Biden? Uh, We'll get to all of that. The geezer and Hollywood cowboy versus the mean SOB. We'll be right back on The Medved Show. More of Michael Medved in a moment. Medved doesn't behave himself. You can't reason with him. He's opinionated, and you can't tell him that he's wrong. This is the Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, there are uh, a couple of people <laughs> who are, are agreeing on an issue. Uh, and, and they're people who you would think would never agree on anything. And it's always kind of refreshing to see Americans coming together in an unexpected way. But that's the issue on this uh, Alabama uh, in vitro fertilization issue and this question about whether frozen fertilized embryos are the equivalent of children. Uh, They are potential children. Uh, But uh, while they're in in the... um, freezer and um, before they are installed within a living human being who's going to give birth to them uh, when they become children. Uh, Again, this is one of those things where for the 97,000 parents, so again, you're talking about two parents because it takes two parents to actually create a fertilized embryo. I mean, that's the way the biology works. We are not going to go into a class here. But um, Matt Gates and Michael Moore, uh, really unbelievable. Matt Gates, the uh, very outspoken uh, pro-MAGA Republican, probably not the favorite member of the House of Representatives, if you ask Kevin McCarthy, because (laughs) he was one of the people most responsible for ending the speakership of Kevin McCarthy. Uh, by the way, I, I don't think Mike Johnson is a particular fan of Matt Gates either. But on CNN, 
Um, Matt Gates uh, spoke in a way that I think most Americans can appreciate on an issue that can bring us together. This is clip 11. I think the court correctly assessed the law, but I believe the Alabama law needs to change because the Republican Party cannot be the party against family formation. And when we're at the point where we're confusing like families like those you just had on with abortionists, like something is totally wrong. The people who want to have a family should have the government and the law on their side. And the notion that discarded embryos in, in IVF somehow turn these people who want children and want families and want the American dream into criminals is, is really wrong. So for those in the Republican Party and the uh, pro, pro-life movement, as they describe themselves, who say that this is necessarily the next frontier, they're wrong. Pro-life means being pro-IVF. And I've worked side by side with progressive Democrats like Sarah Jacobs to make sure that our military members can have access to IVF in the event of deployment or other challenges to family formation. So you're always going to find me on the side of family formation, not against family formation. I believe the Alabama legislature ought to amend their law so that IVF can occur safely in, in the Yellowhammer state. There's um, not just in the Yellowhammer state, but everywhere. Uh, Michael Moore, who is about as far ideologically from Matt Gates as you can possibly go, was on NBC. And uh, he was uh, actually one of the very few voices you'll hear who thought it was just great that uh, there were people on the Alabama Supreme Court who declared that under the provisions of an 1872 law. Yes, it was passed that long ago. Uh, The uh, fertilized embryos could be enjoying the protective status of children. Uh, And uh, here was uh, Michael Moore commenting on that development, clip 16. You've got not just same-sex marriage, you've got not only getting rid of birth control. Anyways, Republicans, please, if anybody is watching... Um, um, keep doing what you're doing because you are guaranteeing in November. Uh, we'll just call the headline the next day, GOP, RIP. Hmm. Uh, Not quite that simple. But I, I do think that if you're trying to build a big national political party, uh, uh, alienating all of those literally millions of people who either have had experience with IVA and vitro fertilization or have a family member or an acquaintance or know something about it uh, or are, uh, who knows, the spouses and children and relatives of people who were born from IVF. By the way, uh, there's a picture that's floating around of Mike and Karen Pence with their son, Michael, uh, and uh, who is uh, a Marine and serving his country, um, who is a product of that procedure, which is a pro-life procedure, and he's living a life to prove it. Meanwhile, uh, to prove uh, what is going on politically, there is a, uh, a primary, and it's tomorrow. And everyone is treating it like a foregone conclusion. The polling shows uh, an average advantage for President Trump of about 25%. Uh, He should win big against Nikki Haley. 
But that hasn't stopped Haley from speaking out and speaking out forcefully in behalf of her own candidacy and in behalf of her own vision for the future of the Republican Party. Here is Nikki Haley on CNN with Jake Tapper, clip 14. If you want a change in our country, which I think the entire country wants a change, we won't get a change if we don't win an election. Donald Trump will not win the general election. You can, you can have him win any primary you want. He will not win a general election. We will have a female president of the United States. It will either be me or it will be Kamala Harris. But if Donald Trump is the nominee, you can mark my words, he will not win a general election. And what I say to everybody is, don't complain about what happens in a general election if you don't really think about that in this primary. It, we can do better. You look at, I mean, these are the two most disliked politicians in America. Look at the polls. Look at what they're saying. 60% of Americans are saying Donald Trump's too old and Joe Biden's too old to be president. You look at the military. They cap retirement at 65. You look at pilots. They cap retirement at 65. We've got a lot to fix in this country. We need someone who can work eight years straight of hard work day and night, fully disciplined with no drama, no vendettas, just results for the American people. That's what's at stake here. And I'm going to continue to stay in and tell people this as long as I possibly can. And uh, she is determined to stay in through uh, Super Tuesday, which is March 5th. Uh, there is uh, also this line by Chris Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire. And yeah, he's still governor, at least until next year. He uh, he's on the campaign trail with Nikki Haley and for Nikki Haley. And uh, he has this to say and her behalf, uh, something that we will cover in a few moments. But uh, first, we're going to be going to Michael Rubin, who's a senior fellow at American Enterprise Institute, who specializes in the broader Middle East. There is talk today that President Biden, uh, who is desperate to win Arab American voters in the state of Michigan, they have a primary coming up, uh, it may recognize an independent Palestinian state. Really? That be a good idea? We will be speaking to Michael Rubin. And on the Michael Medved Show, a great pleasure to welcome back Michael Rubin, senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. He is a specialist in Iran, uh, Turkey, and the broader Middle East. He has spent time visiting, living, researching throughout the Middle East. He's a former Pentagon official who has lived in post-revolution uh, Iran, Yemen, and uh, both pre- and post-war Iraq. Uh, he's also spent time with the Taliban uh, before 9-11. Uh, just a quick question before we get into this discussion about uh, new talk about the U.S. recognizing a Palestinian state. Uh, you've uh, lived in uh, Yemen. You've kept your eye on the situation there. How are those Houthis doing? Uh, have we um, been able to discourage them a little bit more in terms of interfering with the world's shipping? Well, you know, we, we've put them on the diplomatic equivalent, it seems, of double-secret pro probation. And the <laughs> fact of the matter is we gave them a last chance a while ago. They continued to strike at ships. 
And it seems that the strategy of the Biden administration right now is to say, hey, look, a squirrel and try to distract people from the fact that our strategy isn't working. Uh, what uh, what could be done more effectively against the Houthis? It, it, again, we are the most powerful nation in the world. We do have a military that needs more resources. I think a lot of Americans agree with that. But but surely we have the power to make some kind of definitive statement against ragtag revolutionaries in Yemen uh, than uh, we've done so far. Could we do better well, against the Houthis? You're, you're absolutely right. And, I mean, lesson number one would be to recognize the Houthis aren't just the Houthis, that there's an apparatus behind them with the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, which is now acknowledged having boots on the ground in Yemen. I mean, they've had it for some time, but they actually acknowledge it. It's no longer deniable. Would they have intelligence ships and uh, feeding, feeding the Houthis information on international shipping in the U.S. Navy? There's no reason why we should limit our retaliation to playing whack-a-mole with uh, the Houthis. And northern Yemen is a lot like Afghanistan. You're, you're basically playing whack-a-mole. We've got to go after their network. That's what we're not doing. Uh, okay. Uh, something else that we are not doing, at least not yet, is recognizing uh, Palestine as an, an independent state, as a step toward peace and reconciliation and world harmony. Uh, what's wrong with this uh, idea that apparently has been uh, kicked around the White House um, among President Biden and Secretary of State Antony Blinken, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan? First of all, do you think these stories are accurate, that they're actually considering something like this? And well, second, let me put it, why would it be a bad idea? Well, let me put it this way, Michael. At the very least, I think the White House is trying to be too clever by half and floating a trial balloon. But once those balloons take off, they tend to get a momentum of their own as they float upwards. That's the danger. Now, look, I personally am a two-state guy, but this is absolutely the wrong time to do it. You don't reward terrorism, the worst terrorism in decades, uh, to hit Israel by declaring those that conducted the terrorism, by declaring them an independent state. You don't undermine American diplomacy. Uh, in the Oslo Accords from 1993, which prefaced a eventual Palestinian state on the Palestinian recognition of Israel and the end of terrorism by saying, you know what, you guys had a hard-fought agreement, but we're just going to set this aside and um, give the Palestinian state anyway without actually forcing recognition of Israel as a Jewish state or an end to terrorism. And then just think the big picture. If we were to recognize Hamas today, I'm sorry, the Gaza Strip today, as an independent Palestine, would it be a successful state or a failed state? I can think of many other aspiring states. Artsakh, the indigenous Armenian community in Nagorno-Karabakh. Somaliland, which is completely peaceful, has countered corruption and so forth. All of those deserve independence far above the Palestinians, it's racist to say that the Palestinians aren't responsible for their own decisions. They do have agency. They've just been making the wrong decisions for decades. Uh, haven't the Palestinians had uh, virtually an independent state since 2005 when the Israelis pulled out every last resource and every last settler, uh, pulled them out of Gaza? And since that time... There has been Hamas control since 2005 of Gaza, right? 
Well, the Hamas control started in 2007, two years after the Israeli pullout, when they basically staged a coup d'etat against the Palestinian Authority. But you're absolutely right. They destroyed the financial infrastructure, the greenhouses and so forth. They could have been living in Singapore. They chose a completely different path, figuring that the international community would bail them out. Every time the international community bails them out, then they choose war again. Let's think of Anwar Sadat in Egypt. He won the Nobel Peace Prize. He normalized relations between the largest Arab country and Israel. But he only did so after he realized in 1973 that he wasn't going to achieve what he was going to get in war. What we need to do is have the Palestinians recognize that any use of military force will be a disaster for their aspirations. You don't reward terror. That's what Biden seems not to understand. Uh, speaking of punishing terror rather than rewarding terror, President Biden today announced a series of sanctions uh, about concerning the death of uh, Alexei Navalny. Are those sanctions uh, appropriate or too little too late? Well, I would say that, look, they're too little too late. Navalny is dead. But at the same time, it's useful. I, look, when it comes to sanctions, sanctions are a tool. I would argue that the way to establish diplomatic leverage is you put as many sanctions as possible on a target country, and then you negotiate to lift those sanctions. You don't wait until someone's dead and then basically virtue signal. That said, we still have others who are in prison who may very well soon have to take a polonium tea. Uh, that is Vladimir Putin's specialty. There's Vladimir Karamurza, for example, uh, who was twice poisoned. We need to be on the lookout for his life. Uh, we can't allow Putin to get away with murder because if he does, it's not only going to be in Russia where we're going to have a purge of these dissidents. Oh, do you have a theory on why it is that Putin made this public endorsement of Joe Biden, that uh, he would prefer to see Joe Biden reelected than uh, Trump winning? Why did Putin say that? Well, honestly, I mean, I'm not going to play politics with this. I think that basically Putin likes to just mess around with the American public, mess around with the news cycle. That's what he's doing now. He wants to mess with the sanctity of our own campaign, of our own election process. Um, and we need to recognize that's what he's doing. That said, I would choose I, I mean, I would decide between the two candidates when they are final upon their merits. It's not up to a foreign leader to determine <laughs> who's going to be president of the United States. Uh, wouldn't uh, Trump, given all of the admiring things he has said about Vladimir Putin of Volodya, wouldn't he uh, feel a, a little bit slighted by uh, uh, Putin endorsing the other guy? Well, you know, who knows what Trump thinks uh, on a day-to-day -day basis? I'm not going to. I'm a historian by trade. I get paid to predict the past. I certainly don't get paid to predict the future, let alone what's going on in Donald Trump's mind or what's going to come out of his mouth. Uh, Michael Rubin, uh, his two columns about the recognition of a Palestinian state, question mark, double exclamation points, and about major sanctions over Navalny's death, they're posted at our website at michaelmedved.com. And a new uh, motto for America... Uh, from Chris Sununu, governor of New Hampshire. We will get to that. It's a pretty inspiring slogan, but uh, not entirely PG-rated. 
We'll get to that coming up on the MedVet Show. Receive 50% off by becoming a MedHead member. Michael, I'm an enthusiastic fan of yours. I'm a MedHead. Join now at michaelmedved.com. spiritual journey this is the michael medved show and uh chris sununu the governor of new hampshire who's been a frequent and very welcome guest on this show uh he's an outstanding guy and an important figure it seems to me in the republican future he's out on the campaign trail uh campaigning for nikki haley do uh does chris sununu believe that she is going to win uh, she's not going to win, very unlikely to win, the uh, South Carolina primary uh, that's taking place tomorrow. But is she going to be an important voice for the Republican Party and continue her candidacy, I hope, for the rest of the time until the convention so that that voice will be heard? I hope that she does. Uh, Chris Sununu had this to say with uh, something that may appear at some point on T-shirts or who knows, maybe even $400 sneakers like the uh, very successful now sold out uh, Trump shoes that uh, are in gold and $399 per pair. Uh, this is not something that uh, Chris Sununu is selling. What he's selling is the idea of the endurance and survivability and defiant, uh, triumphal survival of the United States of America. This is clip 15. He's getting eroded and the institutions are crumbling. Stop. It's not. This country has gone through hell and back a lot. We had, we had it. Let's go all the way back to a civil war where we were getting completely torn apart. Our institutions stood strong. We go through World War I and World War II. We go through uh, the racism and segregation of the 60s. You go through a place like 1968, where some of America's great voices are literally getting assassinated in front of us on television. And people said, it's over, America's done. But we stood, the institutions stood strong. We rallied back. We went through 9-11. We went through a pandemic. The institutions stood strong. Let me put it a different way. Ass come and go, but America is here first, to first stay. Word of the <laughs> I think you could uh, tell what he was saying. It's uh, what you don't say on uh, national radio. But one of the institutions that uh, has stood strong and has actually maintained its presence is uh, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA, our space program. And uh, the Wall Street Journal reports this morning America is back on the moon. An unscrewed spacecraft developed by an uncrewed, not unscrewed. <laughs> unscrewed is a, a door in uh, a um, Alaska Airlines plane. No, this is an uncrewed spacecraft developed by Houston-based uh, intuitive machines landed on the lunar surface yesterday uh, evening. And it's the first time a U.S. vehicle has touched down in more than 50 years. The company's Odysseus vehicle, carrying research and commercial devices, 
descended from lunar orbit to land shortly after 6.20 p.m. in the moon's South Pole region, according to a National Aeronautics and Space Administration live stream. Today, for the first time in the history of humanity, a commercial company, an American company, uh, launched and led the voyage up there, NASA Administrator Bill Nelson said. The U.S. last visited the surface of the moon in 1972 during the final mission of the storied Apollo program. Thursday's operation was a milestone for the U.S. space industry and program, marking the first time a private company has completed a moon landing. Uh, Past attempts by other companies have failed, and successfully landing on the lunar surface has even challenged governments. Uh, This is uh, what that uh, moon landing sounded like, uh, and which was broadcast around the world. Uh, Clip five. Without a doubt, as our equipment is on the surface of the moon, and we are transmitting. So, congratulations, IM team. We'll see how much more we can get from that. Well, that's a good moment right there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, that sounds a little bit like the applause at CPAC, but the point is it didn't take that large a group. This wasn't thousands of people uh, working for NASA. It was a smaller group with intuitive machines. Uh, They report uh, in the Wall Street Journal, it wasn't immediately clear after touchdown that the lander made it, leading to several tense moments before intuitive machines said it was able to start communicating uh, with the vehicle and to confirm its arrival. I know this was a nail brighter, but we are on the surface and we are transmitting intuitive madness, uh, intu- intuitive machines. Uh, Chief Executive Stephen uh, Altimus said during the live stream, Welcome to the Moon. Well, this is something that uh, is encouraging. And uh, by the way, in which all Americans should feel at least uh, a little bit of pride. Uh, meanwhile, should we be proud of the President of the United States for living up at least to what he had promised, which is new sanctions in response to Putin's brutal war of conquest in Ukraine and in response to the death of Alexei Navalny? Uh, This is the uh, President uh, Biden announcing the uh, new sanctions that he had promised. This is clip one. I'm announcing more than 500 new sanctions in response response to Putin's brutal war of conquest, in response to uh, Alexei Navalny's death. Because, make no mistake, Putin is responsible for Alexei's death. Yesterday, I met with Alexei's wife and daughter in California, where his daughter attends college. Alexei was an incredibly courageous man. His family is courageous as well. I assured them his legacy will continue to live around the world, and we in the United States are going to continue to ensure that Putin pays the price for his aggression abroad and repression at home. And uh, he went on to encourage the House of Representatives to try to overcome some of the sniping and the pettiness and to make a significant move 
to provide more ammunition to our allies in Ukraine. This is clip three. But let me be clear. House of Representatives must pass the bipartisan national security bill. The bill provides urgent funding for Ukraine, and it passed overwhelmingly in the Senate. And there's no question, none, none, if the Speaker called for a vote in the House, it would pass easily today. Instead, they went on vacation. I mean, it's just, anyway. Look, folks, all kidding aside, history's watching. The clock is ticking. Brave Ukrainian soldiers and civilians are dying. Russia. Russia is taking Ukraine territory for the first time in many months. But here in America, the Speaker gave the House a two-week vacation. They have to come back. They have to come back and get this done. Okay. Uh, there's also a comment on uh, that issue from Vladimir Zelensky. He uh, was on Fox News with Brett Baer and commented on Tucker Carlson's interview uh, with Zelensky's sworn enemy, another Vladimir Putin. Uh, listen, this is clip 13. I heard some messages and in media and also my my guys who are advisors, they said, so I, I don't have time to hear more than two hours of bull about us, about the world, about United States, about our relations and this interview with with a killer. So I, I've got some briefly what was what, what there. Uh, and uh, he's uh, talking about uh, being among that overwhelming majority of Americans who did not listen with rapt attention, fascination, and inspiration to the exchange between uh, Vladimir um, Putin and his number one fanboy, uh, Tucker Carlson. Uh, coming up, we will follow up the war of words between uh, President Biden and uh, Vl Vladimir Putin, and Putin trying to explain, in his point of view, uh, why it is that uh, Biden is imposing new sanctions. We will be getting to that coming up on The Michael Medved Show. We'll also be talking about a, an academic, a conservative academic, who urges Americans to defy the elites. How can Americans uh, defy the elites best? Brad Wilcox says to get married and maybe to stay married and to forge strong families and save civilization. We will get to that and to much more Coming up in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth.